So then I had to start Googling things like, am I going to have to pay taxes on this? So instead of just asking the people that just sit right next to you. No, I just Google it. Well, you Google it. I don't want to bother somebody. You guys seem busy. If Google gets too confusing, that's when we come to you. That's right. (laughs) This is the Generally Accepted Accounting Podcast. That's GAP for all you accounting nerds. It's a podcast produced by Casey Peterson, LTD. We're a firm of CPAs and financial advisors based in Rapid City, South Dakota. And we'll be talking about tax, finance, accounting, audit, and a bunch of other topics that sound really boring, but that we're going to make hip and cool. Or we'll try anyway. So stick around to learn more. Today's topic is one we get a lot of questions about. Capital gains. Are they good? Bad? It just depends? Our experts, shareholder and tax team Vice President Casey Gerlach and Senior Associate Garth Sandberg, have the high-level answers. So you'll learn about capital gains on stocks, IRAs, what a wash sale is, turns out not money laundering, dividends, capital gains when you sell your home or rental property, and some more ETTs. That's exciting tax topics. Listen in to learn more about them gains. Thanks, everyone, to our listeners for joining us on our podcast about capital gains. Woo-hoo. Uh, it does. I'm terrified. Today we have our one of our shareholders and VP of our tax department, Casey Gerlach, and we're also joined by Garth Sandberg, who is a senior associate on our tax department. So thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. You didn't have a choice. <laughs> I like that intro. It's like, here's a shareholder, Casey Gerlach, and also a guy named Garth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm on the street. <laughs> he looked like he knew some stuff when we decided to ask him in. Okay, so as I said, we're talking about capital gains, which when you say that, people's eyes kind of glaze over and they get sort of that deer trapped in the headlights of a Peterbilt. So, Garth, can you tell us what are capital gains? Okay. Uh, capital gains basically means uh, any gain from the sale or exchange of a capital asset okay. that you own. So well, let's talk a little bit about that. Capital asset sounds real fancy. What do we mean when we say capital asset? Uh-huh. Basically, capital assets are, uh, for the most part, any piece of uh, significant property that you own, such as your home, car, investment properties, such as uh, stocks, ownership and partnership, or even collectibles or art, okay. anything. Some some random stuff you got laying around your house, that could be a capital asset. So it's almost... In a broad sense, pretty much anything you own is considered anything, anything of value. Yeah, it's like a value that threshold or value, but it's uh, the main exceptions are that the IRS has for it would be um, things that are used like ordinary uh, business property or pieces of equipment, stuff that you use in the ordinary course of a business, gotcha. stuff like that. That wouldn't be capital assets. Oh, okay. So, say some random person, not me, has like a bunch of camera gear sitting at home. It's him. Is that a capital asset or is that not a capital asset? I think it would depend on how you're holding it or if you're running, if you have like a business interest that you use those pieces of equipment for, yes. But if it was more like a hobby thing, it would, you could probably consider it a capital asset. Interesting. Okay. So then we have different types, right, Casey? We have short-term and long-term. What, what is, what does that mean? What is the difference between those two? So really... Short term is anything that is held less than a year, and long term is held over a year. Wow, that is a <laughs> very specific. And how that plays into things is short term gains are actually taxed at your ordinary income tax rates. 
Right. So if you're in the 24% bracket, tax bracket, and you have a gain that is short-term, less than a year, you will pay ordinary income tax on it. Mm -hmm. If it's held longer than a year, that's when you pay long-term capital gains tax. Are long-term capital gains more or less than your normal tax bracket, or does it depend? They should be less than your normal tax rate. Mm. So there is almost a benefit then to holding on to an asset for a long, longer than a year. Correct. If you're going to realize some sort of money from it. Right. Because mm. the taxes you'll pay should theoretically be less. So long-term capital gains basically could get taxed at three different rates. Some of them may be taxed at 0%, nice. and it's based on your, your income level. Okay. So if you don't make a lot of income and you have some capital gains, your capital gains could be taxed at 0%. The one we see most of the time is 15%. So in general, if you don't make a lot of money and you don't make really minimal amounts of money, you'll be taxed at 15% on your capital gains. Okay. The highest one is 20%. And that's if you're in almost in the highest tax bracket. Okay. If you make a lot of money. Right. You will probably pay more on your loan terms. Okay. Which sort of makes sense as a way of taxes are structured. The more you make, theoretically, the more you pay. Right. Which makes sense because, I mean, and then, like you said, even at that rate, that's still less than the 24% or whatever kind of a typical right. income tax would be. So. so a lot of times... People call and they're panicked because they're going to pay capital gains tax and they think it's really terrible. Yeah. If you think paying tax is terrible, then yeah, capital gains might be terrible. Right. But if you think of that compared to your ordinary tax rate, it's probably a good thing. You right. might be paying 15% compared to 24%. It's less terrible. Less <laughs> terrible. That's all any of us can ask for is something just less terrible. Going to every tax season just hoping. I hope this is less terrible than last year. <laughs> The bar is sold out. Yeah. So people get scared about capital gains. It sounds like I hear capital gains. I think I've done something wrong. The government's coming after me. I should have paid some amount and I didn't. But in reality, it's actually kind of better than your typical tax rate. It is kind of better. Yeah. And it really means you bought something for a lower amount than what you're selling it for. So you have the appreciation and value that now you're paying tax on. Sure. It's my goal every time I buy anything. <laughs> Just oh, this goes up. <laughs> I hope this goes up in value so I can pay less taxes on it than normal. Yeah. Okay. So basically what we're saying is capital gains aren't good or bad. It just depends on how, if you think paying any kind of tax is a bad thing, you're not going to like capital gains. Yeah. Because you got to pay taxes on it. But if you're paying at a lower rate, it's not the worst thing ever. So Garth gave us some examples on uh, what capital assets are. Are stocks considered a capital asset or? Yes. Okay. So how about when we talk about realized versus unrealized, what is that? Yeah. So, you know, like as you purchase a stock and generally you'll see over time the value will go up. You don't realize a gain on that increase in value until you sell the stock. Right. So what they mean by unrealized gains is in your portfolio, say you have, you bought some stock for $10,000 total. And now it's worth $20,000. So you would have an unrealized gain of the difference between that, the $10,000 unrealized gain. Mm -hmm. The moment that you sell it, that's when it becomes realized and it becomes taxable. Okay. And unrealized gains aren't taxed currently under the U.S. tax code. So Because they're just, they're kind of a theoretical thing that you haven't 
technically it's, profited on yet. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, over the past couple of years, though, we've seen losses. Do we get to claim those losses? Yeah. So, like, if I if I bought Bitcoin, that maybe that's a completely separate thing. Mm-hmm. No, that still falls under capital assets. Okay. So, if you bought, you know, when it was really expensive and then it suddenly goes down. It's treated a little differently than stock because it's considered property under yeah. IRS rules. So, the same, same thing applies there. It wouldn't be a realized loss until you sold it. Sure. So... So if you have a loss, you you buy stock for ten thousand dollars. It decreases in value to five thousand. You decide for whatever reason just to get out. Maybe you get cash on hand, and you have a loss of five thousand dollars. Then you get to report that as a loss that counts against something. Yeah, or it would count against your other uh, capital gains that you oh. had for the year. Gotcha. So it lowers your overall whatever you gained. It lowers that amount, which is what people sometimes try to do businesses or something. You sell something at a loss yeah. to maybe try to mitigate. Yeah, to offset some of the other, if you have large gains from other sales. Side question, what if you don't have any capital gains and you only have capital losses? <laughs> then you're limited to only taking $3,000 oh. of capital losses per year. And okay. the remainder amount if uh, will carry over to f- uh, future tax years. So it's kind of a cap on it then. <laughs> you can't just declare losses. Affinity in the government suddenly owed you a bunch of money because you suck business. Not for capital loss. Okay. That makes sense. For other things, maybe, but not capital losses. Interesting. Yeah. Back when Bitcoin hit that all time high, like the $64,000 or so, yeah. in December, there was a lot of people that cashed out right at the top and then diversified into a bunch of other um, alternative coins sure. and stuff like that. And then when uh, they came to have their taxes done in that next spring, they had all of these gains like that they realized from selling the Bitcoin. Sure. Okay. But then when they were doing their taxes, the market had fallen through and all of the money that they got from that that they moved into the other investments and other crypto yeah. was, you know, not worthless, but not Pretty near what they had. <laughs> but, so then they got stuck with this giant tax bill because they had to pay the taxes on all of their gains. But then a lot of people didn't have any money because they, you know, they, 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 they like invested it and lost it all. So I just, I remember that being a kind of funny thing. Uh, but that was a fun tax season for a lot of people. Yeah. So how about something called wash sales, which sounds like money laundering, but it really <laughs> is not money laundering. <laughs> uh, basically, wash sales are where you, if you sell a stock at a loss and then you repurchase the same stock within uh, 30 days, like it's, if it's the if it's the exact same stock or substantially identical, but if it's within 30 days, you can't take the loss. Oh, so if you wait 31 days, you can take the loss. You just can't wait 30 yeah. days. Yeah. So it's you can't like just churn a bunch of stock like, oh, Apple had a down day or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. And like, so you sell it at a loss to try and take that loss, but then you kind like you jump right a lot like long term. Uh, perspective on it you want to keep invested in it you buy them back in so i'm guessing that had to be a rule because people did that at some point they were oh it dropped today i'm gonna sell it off but i'm gonna get right back in because i know it's gonna go up and then oh but i had all these losses (laughs) yep so like basically like if it's on the way down and you sell and it keeps going down you're like oh that's a good price to buy in at yeah if it's within the 30 days then you wouldn't be able to take your initial losses sure Hmm. on it even 30 days doesn't seem that long in the history of like yep. an Apple or a Microsoft or whatever, something that in theory you would think is going to trend out. But. I wonder how that worked out for some companies during the pandemic. Like I know people would invest in like the cruise lines when those were all like 
shutting down because, you know, that stock was going way down. But you knew that eventually it would come back up. But I'm guessing that was like in the next couple of years it'll come back up. Not like it's going to rebound in the next two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> maybe an optimist might have said that. Yeah, I think, I think the, I think the cru cruise lines are a little bit more of a long-term plan. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not something you've short and long yet. Okay, maybe GameStop when that whole crazy thing is going down. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole that's a whole can of work. That could be a whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. So how about basis? We talked a little bit about basis when we talked to Lori Larson and we were doing some things about tax and, uh, tax and estate planning. What is basis when it means and when it's talking about capital gains? Uh, for the most part, basis and capital gains is going to be um, like what you purchase the uh, stock at, like the price per share, the total value you pay for it. You can also... Like for other capital assets, it would most likely be the price that you paid for it. Or in the case of like your home, it'd be like any improvements that you made to it mm. or anything like that. Could also include selling fees related to the sale oh. of certain capital assets. Generally, that's not included for stock sales. But for like in the case of your home, which I think we'll touch on later, the commissions and everything are included in basis. Like closing costs and that type of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about dividends. How are those different or the same than capital gains? How does that work? Um, they're kind of similar, but they're separate from capital gains because it's payment from the profits or reserves of the company that you're invested in that they remit to the shareholders. Yeah. So some stocks, not all stocks, but some stocks pay dividends. Some companies, they will pay a portion of the profits to their shareholders. But that is different than the money that you would get selling of that stock. Yes. Okay. And they're I mean, taxed. They're taxed a little differently because it's not part of the capital asset that you're selling. It's just money that you receive for taking on the risk of owning that specific asset. It's like a thank you gift for having hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars invested with the company. Basically, and it's when they're doing when the company's doing a good job, then they pay it out to their shareholders and which, you know, makes the stock a little bit more appetizing for yeah. other yeah. investors and yeah. generally make, generally makes the price of the stock go up or hmm. really stay. Sure. Because some people really like dividends. They like the idea of, in addition to a stock, maybe you go with a stock that's a little bit lower risk, like a utility, but a lot of utilities will pay dividends. And so some people like that idea of at least if... It's not shooting straight up. At least there's a side payment maybe that comes along. Yep. And there's uh, another class of dividends. They're called uh, qualified dividends. So these have, uh, like, if you hold the stock for a certain period of time, and that kind of can depend on the type of investment that it is. But the qualified dividends are taxed at the capital gains rates, though. So you have the long-term long capital gains rates, yeah. Oh, okay. So for anything that you have that's a qualified dividend, it will be reported separately on your 1099B and or 1099D. It will have those split out, and then those will be included in the calculation for the long-term capital gains tax portion of your taxes. Hmm. So is that like companies trying to incentivize shareholders to hang on to stocks long-term and not just buy and sell them? Uh, I think it would be more the government IRS with the rules that they oh. set up for that to incentivize people to hold them longer. Kind of incentivize some stability. And, and not, like, yeah, well, and just to not like, oh, you heard that this stock may be authorizing a dividend on this date. So then buy it before that date, hold it through till they pay out the dividend, then sell it right away. Listen, the YouTube investment advice I've been getting is just fine. So I don't know. <laughs> Why they've got to be attacking it like that. 
you for a good time and I've been very attacked. Yes. <laughs> so how about capital gains, Garth, on IRAs? What's that look like? The gain would be recognized inside your IRA. Okay. There. But since that's generally most of the time, if it's uh, the pre-tax IRA that most people do, yeah. you won't be paying taxes on the capital gains and you pay tax on the money when you pull it out of the IRA. And then so when you pull it out of the IRA, it's just ordinary income to you. And you don't get the benefit of the capital gains tax rates on it. Oh. Mm, okay. What about if you have a Roth? Is that different? Uh, no, it would be the same. Trend the same. Okay. So you don't so deduct the amount you put into a Roth. Oh, and right. And you don't pay tax when you pull it out. Pull it out. But whatever happens within that Roth IRA or traditional IRA with the stocks doesn't affect you. Okay. I mean... <laughs> you don't pay tax when there's gains and losses within the IRA. Within the IRAs. Gotcha. Okay. We're going to put a lot of slang well, that, yeah, oh, yeah. You're going to get a lot there. <laughs> this would be a big hit. I <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about more of a tangible physical and talk about like your residence, which is something that happens a lot, right? Someone worries, I've sold my house for too much more money and now i got to play capital gains. So um, can you talk about that, Casey, a little bit about how that works when you sell your home? Of course. There is a potential that you could pay capital gains tax when you sell your house, but there is an exclusion. Okay. So if you're married, the exclusion is $500,000, and really you have to pass certain tests in order to get this exclusion. And those tests are you have to live in and own the house for at least two of the last five years, and by living, it has to be your primary residence. So you always have one spot you primarily live, and yep. that's the one that would qualify. Um, and you also can't have excluded again in the last two years. Okay. Oh, okay. So if you pass all the tests, mm -hmm. then you can exclude up to the 500000 of gate. Which is a lot here, I mean, with most people, unless you're... That is a lot, except in the past few years in this area, we've seen the housing market boom. Oh, yeah. So you think about maybe not our generation, but a generation older than us that's maybe lived in their house all yeah. their lives. Yeah. They have some pretty big gain. You yes. got, if you buy your house in the 60s and 70s, it's very possible that you have yeah. sell it for more than $500,000 more than you right. paid for it. Yeah. Right. So if you sell your house for 400000 and you originally purchased it for 150, your gain would be 250. Really, you would have no taxable income. But let's say it is one of those that you've lived in forever. You sold it for 750000 mm -hmm. and you had purchased it for 150. That gain would be 600000 so the first five hundred thousand of the gain we can exclude, but a hundred thousand you would pay capital gains oh. tax. So it's just the amount above the five hundred. Right. Okay. Okay. Yep. Well, like my <laughs> wife and I just sold our house last year, you know, and we bought it in like twenty seventeen. And it was just a starter home, so it was small, but you know, we still profited like a hundred thousand dollars off of it. So then I had to start Googling things like, am I going to have to pay taxes on this? So instead of Luckily, I'm asking people. the people that just sit right next to you. No, I just Google it. Well, you Google it. I don't want to bother somebody. You guys busy. You're working with clients and important people. You're just a peasant with a starter home. If Google gets too confusing, that's when we come to you. That's right. So that sounds really scary. Yeah. I feel like maybe that's where 
a lot of that comes from. People have probably heard, oh, somebody sold their property, they had to pay capital gains. But in reality, it's only a portion of it, and then it's at the capital gains rate. Right. Okay. Long-term or short-term capital gains? It, it would be long-term. Long-term, okay. Yeah. And then less than what your typical tax rate would be. Correct. And, you know, when I say the 150000 cost or basis, right. you would say you would t- really take your cost and then you would add in any big improvements. Sure. So let's say let's say you built the house, you would take whatever you paid the contractor, you would take whatever the building package was, you would add the landscaping, you could add some major remodel projects in those 30 years. Finish the basement, whatever, right. do the heating system, put air conditioning in, that sort of stuff. Things you've probably done if you've owned a home for several decades. Right. right. Yeah. And then you would also get to include in your basis or back out realtor fees. Oh, okay. So your closing costs and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. And on a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar house that could be a pretty big deal. Yeah. Is is that what the term step up in basis refers to? That is not what Dang it. Step okay. Up Ignore my question. You first throw it out there. But <laughs> you know, when somebody passes away, you could get a step up in basis. So let's say my mom and dad pass away I inherit their house. I would get a step up in basis to the current value. Oh. Uh, and then so when I turn around and sell it, okay. I might not have as much of a gain. Oh, okay. Lost. So now what your parents bought it for, but what it was worth when they died. Right. That makes okay. sense. Huh. So if you sell your home and say you realize a profit of $600,000 and you take that money and you just buy a new property, you buy a new house... You that have to pay? That doesn't quite work. Doesn't work. Okay. So what you're referring to is probably what they're they call a 1031 exchange. Okay. On your personal residence, you cannot do a 1031 exchange. Okay. You can't do any personal property in a 1031 exchange. Okay. Right. So let's say you had a rental house or a farm that you sold, you can do what's called a 1031 exchange. If you receive the money, it's already too late. Oh. So so you can't sell the house and then come to me and say, hey, I'm going to reinvest it. How much do I have to reinvest? You actually have to go through the legal process of doing a 1031 exchange, okay. which is a lot of times we see it done at title companies. Okay. But they take possession of the money and they hold on to it. And then there's some pretty strict rules on reinvesting time periods of reinvestment, that kind of thing that have to be followed. So rather than you just getting a check for $600,000, the title company has the money, you don't right. touch it because the idea is I'm going to go find a new piece of property, take that money and then reinvest it, but I've never had my hands on it. Sure. Technically have it. Oh. Right. Gotcha. And really, I see a 1031 as like a trade. Right. right. Just across the, yeah. You don't have the money and you're just putting it somewhere in a new spot. Right. So that's true of second home or vacation homes or rentals or are those different rules for those? Those are the same. Was the same. Yeah, okay. So real estate only. Real estate only. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somebody can't take their vacation home, do the 1031, and then go buy a Ferrari. <laughs> right. That's to be that real doesn't estate. quite work. <laughs> and the vacation home would have to be used in a business as a rental. Right. And just it, be like it would a have to be like a... The RBO or Airbnb. Sure. Okay, so you can't just be like, oh, I had this money and now I bought my second home with this and I should, but it actually has to be making you some, right? And income, income. property. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. 
And it's more, at least with 1031s, it's not really not paying or that you don't have to pay tax on the income. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of kicking the can down the road and you would pay the tax on that in the future. If you ever did sell it and then just decide to, you want to take the money for whatever purpose. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's deferring it until a... Yep. Until you finally sell that, replace the replacement property or, I mean, you can keep... Just keep doing it. Yeah, over. just keep doing it over and over. But give it to your kids, and I get their problem. Yeah, and then their grandkids, great grandkids, generational trauma that will ruin. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a note about depreciation recapture on buildings. That sounds really fancy. What is that exactly? Mm-hmm. So that kind of plays into your rental properties. Mm-hmm. If if you own a rental property, every year re- you're reporting income and expenses related to that property, along with depreciation. So the value of the rental property, let's say it's residential, is depreciated over 27 and a half years. Every year you get a little bit of the depreciation. You just kind of claw that back over time. Okay. The recapture, so let's say we sell that rental house. The recapture of that depreciation is taxed at 25%. Okay. Anything over that is at capital gains rates. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of nuances to all that property stuff. All that property. This is why there's people that deal with numbers. <laughs> and and thank goodness for that. Uh, yeah. If I had to do any of this, I would be going straight to jail. I'd be like, I'd fill out a form wrong. It would not be a good time for me. Just throwing a note here that might be, if you have questions about capital gains, you might want to contact someone. Maybe us, maybe not, whatever. Not me. But, but, not Evan. Not Evan, not Larry. But these two, definitely. I do have one on maybe some other ways you could exclude the gain on your house. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like, let's yeah. say you didn't meet the two-year rule for living in your house. Mm-hmm. There are a few other exclusions. They could be work-related moves. So let's okay. say you live in Rapid City, South Dakota. Military base or something like that. Right. And you get let go. You find a different job, whatever, that moves you to Florida. Mm-hmm. There could also be some partial exclusions related to that. There are some related to health-related moves. So they're going to put my mom in a nursing home because she hasn't lived in the house for two years. So there are some things that have a little flexibility there or maybe even unforeseen events, earthquakes, tornadoes, some of those kind of things. Yeah, sinkhole opens up underneath your house. I was going to use that as an example. (laughs) (laughs) We'll link to that in the show notes so you don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Okay. We're talking about surtax and NIT, which I don't think that's how it is. What's, it, what's, what's surtax and NIIT? NIIT is net investment income tax. Ooh, that sounds bad. Is that bad? Uh, it can be. It's a little extra tax. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't like tax again, you're not going to be. So if you make over a certain amount of money, you pay an extra 3.8% okay. on your investment. Okay. So is there, what's the, is there, you know, the, what's the minimum of that number? number? Married filing joint is 250,000. Okay. So if you and your spouse on your tax return make more than 250, you're going to pay a little extra tax on your investment income. Okay. So if it's only W-2s, then that wouldn't kick in. But if, let's say you have interest on your savings account and you have some stock sales, it would be on those amount. Okay. So what if you make over that amount? You have an investment property. You make money from that. You're paying that three on that as well. 
Depends. Depends. <laughs> ah, there it is. So if, you, <laughs> if you sell the property, yes. Okay. On the normal monthly or annual income you get, that depends. Oh, okay. Depends on the amount of money it is. If it's an active, if, or if you're active in the trader business. Oh, if you're active in the trader business, like you are a trader, like a work on Wall Street. Or is it, <laughs> no, that, that, <laughs> like I work just at like, Trader Joe's. <laughs> No, just that you, like if it's a like a rental property, like if you actively manage it. Oh, as opposed to if an investment property manages it. Yeah. Oh. Money. Okay. But I yeah, see. generally. I see. Cool to trade it. kind of that extends to like if you are in a partnership or an S corp, if you are active in those activities, then those wouldn't be included in the um, net investment income tax amounts. Hmm. So there are a lot of it. It depends. Okay. Every case is probably a little bit different. <laughs> Again, why you should probably yeah, it's professional. Yep. Boy, if you don't have some kind of person that you're talking to and you're involved in that stuff, that is a scary world to be in. That you are really, really nice. Yeehaw. And now the legal stuff. This podcast and associated communications are intended to provide general information about tax, finance, investment, and other financial matters. Although Casey Peterson LTD has made every reasonable effort to ensure that the information provided is accurate, we make no warranties expressed or implied. Be aware that this is not a comprehensive analysis of the subject matter covered. It is not intended to provide specific recommendations to you or your business. Investment advisory services are offered through Advantix planning partners. Commission-based securities products are offered through Advantix Investment Services. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Insurance services are offered through licensed agents of Advantix planning partners. 3200 Olympus Boulevard, Suite 100, Dallas, Texas, 75019. The Advantix entities are independent of and unrelated to CPS Financial Services, LLP. Although Advantix does not provide or supervise tax or accounting services, our financial professionals may offer these services through their independent outside business. Not all financial professionals are licensed to offer all products or services. Financial planning and investment advisory services require separate licenses. Hey, Evan. Hey, Hillary. Why is a skateboard a good investment? Um, is it signed by Tony Hawk? No, just any skateboard. Uh, why is a skateboard a good investment? Because you can flip it. Ooh, kick flip it. Hey, <laughs>